Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And this week's show, we're returning once again to the world of Big Finish, and this time we're looking at a fifth Doctor story, Omega, which was part of their um, 40th anniversary celebrations, and also leading up to their 50th episode as well, 50th story, wasn't it? Yes. I understand, which was Zagreus, which we, I think that's the plan, is we're going to get through to that eventually? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. But uh, but first, let's have some news. Now, unfortunately, once again, we start a new section with uh, news of another actor um, who was in Doctor Who passing away. Sadly, this time it's Hugh Walters, who's died at the age of seventy-five. Now, for those of you who don't know who Hugh Walters is, um, now it's probably most famous to Doctor Who viewers as uh, Runcible from the Deadly Assassin. Was it Runcible yeah. the Fatuous? Wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, now, funnily enough, his, his first appearance in Doctor Who was actually um, as William Shakespeare in The Chase. He, t- he appeared in the, uh, the Time and Space Visualizer. So I don't, it, it wasn't a huge part, was it? No. Not at all. Um, but then his last um, appearance in Doctor Who was as Vogel in Revelation of the Daleks, which was a Colin Baker story. Um, 75, it's not that old really, is it? No, not in this day and age. Um, but going through the other things, he said he's he's been in. He's he was in uh, Survivors, as well as another uh, Terry Nation, uh, another Doctor Who connection there, Terry Nation production. But um, the one that interests me most in two thousand, he played Charles Hawtrey in the Karen docudrama Core Blimey. I don't remember him being in that. I'm now struggling to remember that. To be honest, and I must have watched it. That wasn't that the one about um, Sid James and Barbara Windsor. It was the stage play, what they got made into a, a TV yeah, drama. I think so. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I don't remember him being in it, though. Actually, I don't remember anyone playing Charles Autry in that, to be honest with you. I, don't, I can't remember it at all, to be honest. Now, this probably won't mean a lot to a lot of our non-UK listeners, really, will it? The carry-on films. But um, that they were part of my childhood, really. Yeah, as much as Doctor Who was, if I'm honest with you, to carry on films, I, I, I still laugh at them now. To be honest, it's um, that's the, we'll put it. It's, it's a very British sense of humour. Put it that way. Yes, yes, very British sense of humour. Um, lots of <laughs> look, how can I, yeah, you got to watch them. Really, I, I can't really describe them. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think you want to go into it. No, I don't think I do. Really. I don't think I do. But anyway, oh, uh, Hugh Walters. Um, yeah, so it's very sort of very sad. We have to sort of kick off yet another. Um, another sort of news section with this kind of news, really. But um, but I think, as we said before, it's was it's sort of they're they're of that age now, aren't they? Yeah. All these people, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's very sad, very sad. I actually, say seventy five does still seem quite young in this day and age, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Who's uh, younger the older we get as well, doesn't it? Well, that's yeah. <laughs> On a morbid note. Morbid note, yes. Well, actually, that's a funny thing. As we recall today, which is uh, Thursday, the twelfth of March, um, Terry Pratchett uh, died today as well, didn't he? Yes. At the age of sixty-six. Yeah. I'm sorry, that really is no age no. at all. That really is no age at all. So, um, quite a, a sad day in all, really. Uh, but anyway, um, let's crack on with some, some other news now. Um, now, some more happier news for everybody. Now, for those of you who haven't really sort of bought um, any classic Who on DVD, well, good news for you. 
uh, because the Horror Channel, who've been um, playing Classic Who uh, for some months now, haven't they? Yes. Since last year, I think, actually. Quite a varied amount. A varied amount of Who, yes, indeed. It's a very, very sort of broad selection they've, that they they put on, and it's in no particular order, so um, which is quite good, actually. Um, but it's only been available on um, Sky or um, cable channels, so like, um, like Virgin. Yeah. However, the good news is that the Horror Channel is going to be broadcast from Freeview. So that means you can watch Classic Doctor Who without a subscription, which is fantastic. Now, this actually, by the time this goes out, um, you should all be tuning in and watching it because this actually um, goes live on Friday the 13th of March, which is tomorrow. Yes. Uh, an apt day for the Horror Channel to be launching. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, now, um, if you... When you listen to this and you haven't tuned into this um, on Freeview yet, it is channel number 70. So there you go. There you go. Uh, good news, actually. Very good yeah. news. I think it's the, it's the first time that people at home can watch Doctor classic Doctor Who without having to subscribe to something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, they just have been doing actually a good job on there. I think. They have. They have. Now, um, you'll be pleased about this, Paul, because the first story to be shown on Freeview will be The Stones of Blood. Oh, yes, one of your good choice. Yes, one of your favourites. One of your favourites there, and it's got Mary Tam in it as well. So yes, it, yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I can't think why. It's no, it's, 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 it's all good as far as I'm concerned. Actually, yes. <laughs> right, okay. Now, next up in the news, uh, fictitious awards, uh, the Saturn Awards um, for 2015. The nominations have been announced, and uh, Doctor Who is up for two awards this year of and um yeah it's been listed the show itself has been listed in the best youth orientated television series or oriented mm. as it says is that actually a word oriented or oriented i don't know really um yes that's a bit of a funny category isn't it why not just science fiction um well no i suppose i don't know what the... and it's not youth or actually... oriented either to be honest actually yeah look, looking at the the other nominations. It's not as if any of them aren't science fiction in some time, some ways. I've never. Well, they've really have gone for. I mean, I don't know half of these um, shows I don't know are what actually. Pretty Little Liars is. I no, you got, it's, it's up against uh, the One Hundred, Pretty Little Liars, as Paul just said, uh, Supernatural, Teen Wolf, and The Vampire Diaries. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know any of those. To be, I've never watched any of them. Yeah, I have no opinion on that at all. Uh, and now the other award it's up for is Jenna Coleman's been nominated in the Best Supporting Actress in a Television Series category. Uh, now she will be up against Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones. Uh, I've got no trouble pronouncing this one. Uh, Caroline Devernus from Hannibal, Lexa Doig from Continuum, Emily Kinney from The Walking Dead, and Melissa McBride also from The Walking Dead. I mean, I suppose as these are. Presented by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, I suppose the the fact that they are all going to be science fiction, and I suppose they just on that the best youth orientated television series, they don't want to say children's, do they? They don't really, do they? Plus, the fact, I suspect, Doctor I suspect there's a children. lot of advertising that would fail if they said it was children's. I think so. I think so. But it's not a children's program anyway. It's not even a youth oriented program either. Whatever the hell they want to call it. Um, yeah, sounds just a weird, weird category name for it. Really is, but uh, oh well. But um, but that I don't know when it actually says it's going to be held. Actually, I could mm. click on the link. I can't be bothered. Anyway, right. um... <laughs> I mean, it says previously Doctor Who won Best Television in nineteen ninety seven, 
Now, are they not doing a best television, or is just not, Doctor Who's just not nominated for best television anymore? Well, it, well, it won best international series in two thousand and eight. Yeah, um, and then Torchwood's Children of Earth won the best presentation on television category. Um, so, I, I, their categories are all over the shop, aren't they? Mm. I mean, not, not not surprising though that Children of Earth won something. No, 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 exactly. I I, I, I completely agree with that one, but hmm. Uh, just really, really weird categories. Really weird categories. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on, moving on. Now, another article sort of uh, sort of came out whilst we've been off the air for the last couple of weeks, and that was Jenna Coleman was originally meant to leave um, the series at the end of Series 8, uh, which means she was meant to be written out at the end of Death in Heaven. Now, we sort of suspected this was more sort of applicable for the Christmas special, didn't we? Yeah. Because it, it did look like that... You know the uh, the one the ending after um, she was um, old in the old age makeup that seemed a bit tacked on, didn't it? Yeah. Although they are saying that that was going to be her last episode, and then mm. and then she asked if she could go in the Christmas one. So it may well have been that that was still then that she was going to. Yeah. So you changed her mind on two occasions, there, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's interesting though. It sort of. Makes all the conspiracy theories. I'm now working on the three strikes in your out rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's still rumours going around that she's leaving midway through the series, even though it's actually, I think it's actually been officially announced that she's going to be there for the entire run of series nine. This so, is, sounds like someone's agent working very hard, doesn't it? It does, <laughs> doesn't it? Really hard. Overtime, if you ask me. Um, well, she'll leave, but she could be persuaded to stay for a bit more money. Yeah, exactly. Now, this has all come from the mouth of Stephen Moffat as well, because he, he was talking to Doctor Who magazine. Because um, she said she he said that that definitely was going to be her last episode. Then she asked if she could be in Christmas, so he said, "Okay, I'll write you out in Christmas." She came to the read through, and he said, "Did the write out version, and again changed her mind." So, um, so there you go. But he says he didn't want to lose her anyway. So, and she herself uh, has said uh, she couldn't walk away with the story being unresolved. There's so much more to do, and I think Clara and the Doctor have finally just reached the point where they really understand each other. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, I mean, I'm, maybe. I'm not upset. I know some people are, but I'm not. I'm not upset at all. Um, I think maybe they should change the dynamic a little bit and more focus on the Doctor, perhaps, this series. Well, perhaps they can now, because he's yeah. now had a season to establish himself and his character. So yeah, would be good. Would be good if they could do that. But uh, now uh, more news from Stephen Moffat. Actually, now a lot of people have been asking for um, a spin-off show for the Paternoster Gang, um, which Stephen Moffat says I don't know. He says that he's slightly worried that you can't keep repeating the joke. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he reached that point long ago. Uh, yeah. To be honest, um, he said there's always talk of the spin-off and the people doing a heartbeat, but I don't know. So it looks like he's um, called off on the idea. Yeah, I I suspect there. Yeah, there's a point of how much you can, unless you can think of actually write a whole series. Yeah, there's no point in going on with it, is there? Really? No, that's it. He said. He also goes on to say a bit further. He said, the moment you start relying on something, you should probably throw it away. Which is, yeah, I can understand that. I can understand yeah. that. Um, he uses also uses River Song as an example as well. Um, he says he doesn't feel the companions or side characters should stick around for longer than necessary. <clears throat> and he says, I always kind of feel that nothing should stay in the Doctor's life. You can have River for a few years, but then River has to go. 
So looks like she's done and dusted now as well. Yeah. By the looks of things. That really was sort of Matt Smith's thing, yeah. wasn't it, really? River Song. So, um, and I'm actually, I, I kind of warmed again to River towards the end, but I'm glad he's sort of just sort of draw, appears to have drawn a line under it. Now. It'd be difficult to sort of bring her back now in terms of where she, where they'd got to. As you say, it was more a Matt Smith era. Yes, it was, wasn't it? And difficult to see how the 12th Doctor would deal. Yeah. That's it. Uh, but, uh, but apparently you can read more of this interview in Doctor Who magazine, issue 484. Okay. Right, so uh, that's it for the ordinary news. But now we have the special section, of course. It's Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Okay, now you've uh, come across a, a couple of items of tat from Entertainment Earth, bringing Hollywood home. I was just saying <laughs> Omega arriving a bit earlier than we planned. He, he was a bit, wasn't he? It's very Omega heavy this, this episode. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right now, you found some uh, board game action, haven't you? Yes, um, or it seems to be that it's going to be. Well, it, it, whether it's coming to outside of the United States or not, we don't know at the moment. Yes, they, it says yes. This um, the first one says this item cannot ship to certain locations outside the United States. Hmm. What those locations are, I have no idea. And I'd be and, surprised. And it, yeah, sorry. I was going to say it appears neither do they. But <laughs> oh, I'd be surprised if some a, a Doctor Who board game that didn't make its way into the UK. I, I find that very say. strange, actually. I find yeah. that very strange. Yes, the first one is the uh, it's Doctor Who Villain Edition Monopoly board game. Yeah, having said that, there isn't much more they can do with that. They found something. They found something to do with it. Now, the little bit of uh, description for this, it says, Doctor Who's greatest adversaries have taken over the classic board game Monopoly. The Doctor Who villain edition Monopoly board game features the most evil lineup of foes the time and space travelling Doctors ever faced. This is the perfect Monopoly board game for any Doctor Who fan. Hmm. Yeah. Now, now, it doesn't go to any great description because there is no picture of the board game itself. No. They have no it's, idea what it looks like, do they? It says it's not coming until July 2015. So. Yes, and it does say estimated dates subject to change. So they, you can pre-order now, and it's going for the price of $39.99. Hmm. And if that does reach the UK shores, or outside, basically anywhere outside of the United States, we shall, uh, we, we, we shall let you know. We get more details. Yes, indeed, indeed. Now, the next one. He's on a similar theme. It is a very similar theme. Um, this is now they quit Doctor Who Clue. Yeah. Now we know it's Clue though in the UK, don't we? Yes. Yes. Now um, again, this has got no image. We don't know what it looks like. Uh, again, it can't ship to certain locations outside the United You'll States. You get three guesses. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is coming June 2015, a whole month earlier than the Monopoly board game. Um, now, the description for this one is the classic board game Clue, or Cluedo, uh, gets a Doctor Who twist. The Doctor Who Clue game features some of your favourite characters from the long-running BBC show. Get to the bottom of this mystery with the help of Doctor Who. That's going to annoy fans for a start as well, isn't it? Mm. They actually called <laughs> yeah. him Doctor Who. Yes. Maybe it's Peter Cushing. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be brilliant. oh, come on, let's have a, a Peter Cushing-themed Doctor Who Cluedo game. Come on. <laughs> Let's have it. <laughs> I'll have that, thank you very much. No, you, you, you could imagine that, though, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Peter Cushing with the lead piping in the study. <laughs> <It's>... Yeah. 
with two candlesticks, he makes into a oh, crucifix. Yeah. <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. now this one's also going for the price of $39.99. And yet again, if you find any more about it, we shall, um, we shall let you know. But also, it appears they've got a Walking Dead TV show monopoly as well. Uh, but again, no no image of that one. They've got a Jurassic World Monopoly. The, fo- the bloody film's not even yet out yet. They've got a... Uh, a <laughs> going for it. So that's usually me at Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going through the motions. Not really. <laughs> and a Mass Effect Monopoly board game as well. And all go, all go for the same price, $39.99. So, uh, so that's it for Tech Corner. That is it. It was a bit of a, bit of a weird couple of bits of tat that really because we couldn't even see what it looks like <laughs> ah. completely out of bloody mystery but, uh, just trying to bring you the latest news as quickly as possible exactly exactly that, that's how committed we are to bringing this stuff to this crap to you is all i'm gonna say but uh, but there we go there we go so anyway uh coming up soon is our little review of omega from big finish so for another week then that was the news <laughs> Right, everybody, it's time for another Big Finish review, and this time we're going to do Omega, which was the first in a series of stories that Big Finish released to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Doctor Who. Once upon a time, there was a lonely time plumber called Palix, who worked alongside the great Omega. You may have heard of the great Omega. I was never up in the more obscure figures in Time Lord history. But how do you know this? Because I do. I'm Van Dekirian, conscience of the universe. Who are you? What are you? What have you got to do with Omega? Omega. That's right, Omega. Perhaps I prefer myself as a monster. Better to shape the universe than to be one of history's victims. You should be on your knees, screaming for the universe to forgive you. For all my reputation as a warlord, a tyrant, a megalomaniac, I am a fragile flower compared to you. Anyone got anything they want to ask? Omega. Anyone? Yes. Didn't you play the Randy Priest in Hearts in Orbit on Channel 30,008? You, my metal friend, are an electronic mugging machine. Would you like to consider another related title, sir? No, I think electronic mugging machine will quite suffice. I am now, as my brother Time Lords knew me before, Doctor. No monster, no tyrant, just the first and greatest scientist of our people. Okay then, it's your turn to kick this little, uh, this little, because we're going to cover all of them, aren't we? I think in order. Yes. I think that's that's the plan. Yeah. So uh, that's the plan. That's the At plan. The yeah. So you've you've got the the honour and the privilege to to start this little series off, Paul. What did you think? Um, first of all, as we always say with our reviews of anything, it's going to be spoiler heavy. If you don't want to know anything, then please. Go away <laughs> and come back when you've. Oh, I was just going to leave it there. Just go away. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't want the sort of fan that doesn't get no. um, Right. Having said that, um, this story does have quite a nice um, run to it with a twist in it 
that I really don't want to talk about. No, we're going to that extent. Try and avoid that as much as possible. Because and talking of spoilers, I actually managed to spoil it for myself. (laughs) By the first time I started to listen to this, I fell asleep, waking up just before, just before the twist. Twist. (laughs) So I've actually heard the second part of this before I heard the first part. Now, Paul, you said you fell asleep during this. Now, this is this a good or a bad indication of what this story was like for well, you? Well, um, I'm not so sure, actually. Um, it's quite a long story. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And it does take some time to get going, it mm. has to be said. Yes. Um, before you actually realise what is going on, it takes a long time to get going. Yeah. Um, I do think it was more to do with how tired I was rather than actually that it wasn't any good. Um, I did find myself not caring that much about the characters, I have to say, as as well, though. Hmm. Because I've got to be honest, I found all the characters sounded the same, and I had a lot of yeah. I had a lot of trouble trying to differentiate who was who. This 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 was my problem, really. And probably then why I didn't care about them because I was too busy trying to work out who they were mm. and what, who had said what for me to actually feel anything for any of the characters. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I know exactly what you mean. And that I think really didn't because actually this is quite a um, yeah, having said what blood first the episode. Uh, it was really, but um, I, I... I mean, I mean, all for all for well worked out. In in what they did and everything, I think the writing was good. I think the the, pro- the problem, any problem I have with this, mm. is the actual recording. I think. Yeah, I I must admit I found some of the performances a bit too. Oh, how can I put it? A bit too hammy in places. Yeah. Well, well, two of them were meant to be actors in the in yeah. the series, so I can sort of give it their going to be over the top generally but even when um was it the tarpoff character yeah um is is sort of possessed as such he was overacting his way all the way through that yeah. Uh, um yeah i i really that was that's the actor the actual actor not the the tarpoff actor if you see what i mean um yeah yeah was it um was it van der Kirian was the the the, the person who's been possessed by Yes. Um, it was supposed to be sort of Omega's right hand man at the time of yeah. when. Uh, An interesting phrase there. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. But well, that's the that's I mean, considering. Well, yeah, because um, they come with with the with the um, was it the what's it called the Stellar Manipulator, whatever it's called or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which they're known as the Hand of Omega. Yeah. Um, it's that's taken a little bit too literally, and people moaned about that in the end of time. With Rassilon wearing the hand of Omega, which is this big, uh, which is that glove that he he wore. Um, no, it was done way before then, and, and done by a Big Finish. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I wasn't entirely thinking of that. But even then, I couldn't quite figure out why these people were being possessed. As such, um, that was because they and, I've, was... and I've listened to it twice now in its entirety, and I still can't figure out why Tarpov was possessed by Vandekirian. Because it was an unstable part of that bit of the. Universe was unstable. Well, it just seemed and to be obviously the... there was bits of time that was. What did so I didn't, back. Fi- I I don't didn't know. find? I that's, that... that's what I took that from. Yeah, I, I... there because there was talk about people shouldn't be they should be shielded while they was there. Mm. 
I, yeah, from I, it. I get so the that company bit, was too but I just cheap got that, to do it. I just got the the, the from that that it, it just sort of sent people mad. Yeah. Um, not actually well, I, being, not being possessed or bits of time overtaken them. I well, I, I I do think actually that's what it was. It sent him mad, and because that was the um, character he was playing. Mm. He just got so his brain just got so wrapped up in the character, he began to believe he was the character rather than he got possessed by the character. Mm. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was more a case of yeah he uh, he did have a breakdown so to speak as part of the what was go the area causing imbalance. Mm. Yeah, because I mean I mean another promote this as well. Um, I don't know if there was supposed well, to well, I mean, just leave it open ended for you, but it didn't really go into any any explanation of of what Van der Kieran actually did. I think they also took away the mystery with Omega as well, because you get an insight into his childhood and where he got the name Omega from, and that just completely takes away all the mystery. Yeah, of and and, and I for me that spot the character of Omega. To be honest, because there was nothing there really to sort of what why he became this um, power crazed megalomaniac. Now, obviously, he, he when you first see him in, in the Three Doctors, yeah, you could you could see that all that time spent on his own in the antimatter universe had driven him insane. Uh, yeah, but in this, it's suggesting that he was already. Well, but was he? Because Ian Collier, who plays Omega, now Ian Collier played him uh, Omega and Ark of Infinity. Yeah. Um, and he's no Stephen Thorne, is he? No. I mean, I wondered whether the fact that I haven't seen Ark of Infinity for a while, that that stopped me. Perhaps I would have enjoyed it more or less had I seen Ark of Infinity. Mm, I, don't, I, don't I don't think I it... I don't know whether, whether it did make any difference with me. No, I don't think... Like... Well, that's, that's the other thing as well. You need to have seen Ark of Infinity to fully understand this story. Yeah. And, and that's one of the problems with it. And I think this is one of the things that I've sort of read about um, early Big Finish, that they did rather than sort of trying to set up their own, um, how can I put it, their own sort of mythology of the dots. They, trying... they inserted stories in between. Yeah, no, no, they, so do, they, they do do that a lot anyway. But this was so firmly linked back to Ark of Infinity. Yeah, and I think that was to its um, to its detriment, really. Yeah. I don't think it, you know. I just think it was the wrong thing to um, th- wrong thing to do. But I think Ian Collier, um, Omega. You you always got this thing as we you know we we have the Stephen Thorne Omega introduced the Tat Corner um, each time yeah. we have it on. Um, he's got that powerful voice, and he knows, and he and he does do the megalomaniac quite well, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Ian Collier cannot do that. No, and, and, and in the points where he does get angry, he doesn't sell it. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure that, that's, that that was such a problem for me in this, actually, though, because, um, without wanting to go into this, the conversations between Omega and the Doctor were never going to be the sort of... Should, ne- should never have been the shouty sort of scenes, no, really. No, not, not between him and the Doctor, but when he starts getting angry at other people, he just sounds like an old man who can't get out of his, um, out of his bath chair quick enough. But in certain sense, is that because of the situation? As in, well, it's difficult. If we're not going to talk about what the twist of this is, it's difficult for me to explain what, uh, where I'm coming from on this. Yeah, yeah. But if he's not in his own self, he's not his own self, then 
Well, well, basically, Perhaps this, that would this, be the. Well, this is still a spoiler of the story, but it doesn't spoil the twist. That Omega is basically almost like um, uh, pure thought, yeah. Italy. And yeah. um, it, it appears that sort of, sort of like he's having this conversation with the doctor, sort of like in the doctor's um, when he's unco- he's unconscious for one, but that's when he first speaks to Omega. Yeah. And he just seems to um, manifest himself. Yes. As well. Yeah. Um, um, as, as a ghost, as as far as yes. the listener is concerned. As far as the listener is concerned, as a ghost. Um, mm. There's also this thing in the background about um, a race of beings called the Centillans. I think I'm pronouncing yes. that right, the Centillans, uh, which Omega basically destroyed when he um, detonated the star to give the Time Lords the power to travel through time. Mm. So, um, well, yeah, they, they sort of hint that this is why Van der Kieran was against Omega. That's why, because he found there was life on this, in this asteroid or this planet or something. Was it, it was the third moon or something? Yeah. Although later on, this then gets twisted as well. Twisted as well, uh, and which unnecessarily so. I think I really don't see why they needed that, and because it, it made the whole thing about. Well, what I'm going to say, it, it makes Omega's guilt misplaced, doesn't it? Yeah, and it makes the what what happened in that wrong. Yeah, because if they, if it wasn't Omega, then why would Van der Killian needed to do what he did? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That made that completely defunct as a line. It did, and that was the only bit that actually sort of made sense, which then made the Tarpov bit defunct as a. Yeah, as I, a line, I, I think that there's, which there's... sort of it started to cut out. It started to cut away at itself as it went along this story, which I'm not really sure really worked. No, I think it was it was trying to be a little bit possibly too clever. Yes, yeah, it had a really good core story, I think. Yeah, and then tried to well, be think... more and more clever, and became actually more and more not even confusing, but just silly. Yeah, it so the did. point that yeah. you're actually you're not caring now because you just actually don't know what you've listened to, what bits of it were you meant to be li- thinking as real, and what bits aren't. So now you just actually don't care. Yeah, it's gone too far. Yeah, I, th- I think another another thing with this, there are um, far too many characters in this story that probably weren't necessary. Really, yeah. um, they they really weren't, and and probably hung around a bit too long. Yes. as well. Um, but I, I mean. It, as much as it pains me to say this, the the worst acted role in this is from Caroline Monroe. Yeah, the fact Caroline Monroe speaking directly into your ear wasn't doing much for me. It you. wasn't doing much for me. Now, uh, those who don't know, Caroline Monroe, um, she was uh, actually very very sort of popular. She was like a how can I put? She was a pinup, wasn't she? The seventies. She was she was in a few Hammer horror films. She was um, Naomi in The Spy Love Me. The, the girl flies the helicopter. Mm. Um, and she's the Golden Voyage of Sinbad and my favourite bad movie ever, Star Crash, which also has David Hasselhoff in it for Christ's sake. So anyway, um, but all the films I've seen her in, she's usually been dubbed, right? And now I know why, because <laughs> she has got such a flat delivery. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's one of my flat's not a word you can use to describe Caroline Monroe. Very, very. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go into why. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. She's just one of my pinups, Caroline Monroe. Yes. Um, but anyway. But she she is no great shakes as an actress. She really isn't. Um, and then at the end, when she also gets possessed by Van Kieran, why she decided to do some screechy voice like that? I've got no idea because no one else bothered doing that, did they? <laughs> no. 
it was just really it was just really bizarre but all the way through um when she was trying to sort of show a bit of emotion it was just completely flat it really was um and well, the whole, that's, that's and, the problem is actually most people were in this yes but the the uh, other other than ian collier everybody else was pretty much yeah well I thought, either well over the top or completely dead. flat yeah dead um i think the other thing, now again, this involves Caroline Monroe's character, Sentia. The whole thing about her and Omega. Now, they, they, okay, this is this is a spot. They were going to get married. Yes, that was that was ridiculous. Yeah, that really was ridiculous. And um, the whole thing about one of the actors, because the whole thing is it's set around this company called Jolly Chronolidays, who yeah. do sightseeing tours of the sex of forgotten souls, which is where Omega detonated the star. Um, so basically what they do, they reenact, um, use a couple of acts to reenact Omega and, uh, Van der Kirian. uh, Darland's been one of the actors who plays Omega and Tarpov who played Van der Kirian. Um, now the other thing is, well, it, it sort of said that Darland's, he once had a relationship with Sentia, didn't he? But he, he appears to have a, a woman in every port as, yeah. as, as it appears. Um, and he was also in a, a soap opera once. Uh, where he, but it, as part of a um, a stunt, they got him officially ordained because he he played a priest or a vicar in this soap opera. Yeah. Um. So that was the reason they sort of dragged him along because he could because he he could officially marry Sentia and Omega, and it was so unnecessarily complicated to get to that point. But the whole thing about why there was this served no purpose. Why did they have to get married? It wasn't part of any of the plan. Because basically, I think Omega wants to go back to the antimatter universe. After all that time trying to get out of the antimatter universe, he now wants to go back to it. Um, which again doesn't make any sense. Why does he want to go back? No. After all that effort to get out. <laughs> yeah, I just I just found it a complete mess, to be honest. Yeah, I really did. I um, apart from the twist, which we can't talk about. Oh, no. No, like I said, I think there's a good story there, and I just think it was let down a by the cast and b by them just getting, just started throwing everything at it in the last yeah half an hour, didn't it? Which was just like, oh well, god. I mean, the, the, I mean, this one doesn't. But it feature... comes to something that Gary Russell as the the Medibot was actually my favourite character, <laughs> <laughs> and the bit where um, Omega's killing or trying to kill is it Tarpov? Hmm. And it's just saying you're choking. He's, he's he's not helping. His what was it? It's something like his recovery, <laughs> or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. There, there were some good bits in it, but it was to say it was, it was bits. It really yeah. was just bits. Um, however, I did think Peter Davison was rather good. Yes, actually. I was actually going to say that. I think he was actually considering the the role he had to play. Yeah, was actually very good in this. Yeah, um, and. Interesting, not having a companion for which, which becomes also obvious mm-hmm. as to why you couldn't have a companion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not having a companion and actually having to play it that way was actually yeah was really good. Actually, I think he was in this. Yeah, and I think I, he basically carries this a lot. I, I think he. I think you're absolutely right on that. He does carry it. He does carry it a lot. Um, he, he there's there's sort of that that youthful energy that he had. Um, in back back in the eighties, so um, yeah, and he doesn't sound quite as old as he does. This was back in what two thousand and three. This one when it was released, yeah, um, he sounds a lot older now. So he could back then he could still 
pull off the younger sounding Peter Davison, couldn't he? Mm. So, um, yeah, but he was great. I thought he was really great in it, actually. Um, my, my other favourite line in this was the when him and Omega are having, the Doctor and Omega are having a conversation, and Omega says about the fact that both both had been banished from the from, from Gallifrey. Yeah. Found themselves banished from Gallifrey. No, he goes. I had was it a millennium? Millennium in the dark in the in the darks in was it the black hole? Mm. What is it? And Peter Davison goes. Well, I got the brigadier. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I liked um, that Peter Davison did in this as well, when he's trying to convince Sentia that she didn't have to go to the antimatter universe, and there's plenty of good things in the in the normal universe to enjoy. And he says, and he, I come with the exact things, but he says like flowers, cups of tea, um, sort of babbling brooks, mugs of tea, uh, <laughs> blue skies, uh, pots of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so I did like that. that he was struggling to come up with some nice sort of, out of sort of things for her yeah. to, to enjoy in the, in the normal universe. We could think it was was tea, so the variations on tea, I should say. So, um, but the other thing, like to. Um, as well, and it wasn't anything you sort of saw or heard really, it was sort of like um, the graveyard for TARDISes as well. Yeah. Um, now, I, I like that thing about there was, it's a whole complicated thing, there was, there's always people searching for Omega and have gone on this trip and there's a character called Professor Urticus you discover is also a Time Lord um, yeah. who's got his TARDIS there, and you also discover at the beginning the Doctor hasn't got his TARDIS up with him. No. He's just on this, this space flight, this sightseeing tour. Yeah. So they use Urticus's TARDIS to stabilise the ship, to keep basically keep everybody sane, really, don't they? To stabilise the, the yeah. time, space, or whatever. Um, now, the spoilers, sorry, that the, char- the character Urticus gets killed off, and that was his last regeneration. And basically, the TARDIS he was in starts to opine for him, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't want to stay there. And that's when he mentioned the doctor mentions about there is a, a like an elephant's graveyard for TARDIS, a TARDIS to go to. Yeah. Um, and he said he must he must visit there one day. Was it? Or I, some will just fly into the sun or something? Can't yeah, they? just to yeah, start. Yeah, just to destroy them because so yeah, they can't live without their time lord. Yeah. They've been they together for long. they've been together for so long, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I quite I quite like that. Yeah. As, as, as a little little thing to chuck into the story. Yeah. I, I, I was quite a nice little touch. And there's... I to go spoilers. There's yeah. another Time Lord and TARDIS as well, isn't there, in this story? Yeah. But not so great. Oh, yes. Yes. I and I really didn't see the point in that. that no, was just I didn't. No. Taking things too far. Again, Again, right at the end, it was just like... Oh, I suddenly got this great idea. I've got this great idea. I've got this great idea. I'm just trying to throw them in. Yeah. And he just thought, no, just stop at some point. Just stop, please. Stop. Just stop, please. Stop, stop. Yeah. Now, this, this actually may have been a better story if you don't listen to the last part of it, the last half hour of it. Maybe. <laughs> now, this one was written by Neville Fountain, or Nev Fountain, as he sort of called yeah. himself, really. Um, now, the, the other, only other ne- Nev Fountain story we covered was part of the Destiny of the Doctor series. Yes. Um, which was a couple of years ago now, nearly. And that was a Sixth Doctor one, wasn't it? That was the one that um, Nicola yeah. Bryan read. Yeah, we, did, we, we didn't particularly enjoy that one either, did we? No. And his do tend to try to have a, a sort of funny spin to them, I think. Mm. 
There's nothing wrong with, um, having, there's nothing wrong with having like a, you know, a comedic element to the story. Yeah. If, um, or, or having or having something that's comedic within a story. Mm. It's just yeah, yeah. That, that that's sort of what well, we just talked about the the other Time Lord and TARDIS I didn't think was I was meant to be funny and I just didn't really find it at all. No, no. Do you know I'm having I'm having a bit of a trouble sort of summing this one up, if I'm honest. Mm. Because it, I like the uh, I didn't enjoy, we, we, I, we, we it, like we like we like the premise of the story. Like we the premise. don't quite like the necessarily everything of that. No. We don't like the acting of no. Peter Davison. No. Um I, I just I just don't like Ian Collier as, as Omega. I'm I'm sorry, you he must have his fans out there, but I'm I'm sorry I'm not I, I, I didn't mind him. I didn't mind him. No, I'm not one of them, I'm afraid. Um, um but it does have a fantastic twist in it. Yeah. And I think that, that that's my problem because it was <coughs> it was actually worth listening to all of that to to hear that bit. Yeah. Because that it was like a wow. Mm. It, it really did. I never saw that one coming. Yeah. They, they, he he they did play it quite close to their chest. Yeah. And it worked considering how difficult it was. Even listening back to it the second time, I couldn't pick out where you should have re- where I could have realised earlier. Hmm. If you know what I mean, yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't like, oh God, oh, I should have realised when that was said or when that was done. Didn't really necessarily. It's it's not signposted at all, really. It's it only it's only when you listen to it for a second time, you you pick up on all the hints that were being dropped. You you realise, yeah, m- more you, you realise that you haven't been told. Yeah, but it something. was it was kind of under your nose all the time. Yeah. So, if any of you have never heard this before... Yeah. Um, or I think that's we, as much as we want to say. As much as we want to say. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'd, I'd say that the hints are there. So, I'd be interested to see, you know, if you do guess right, really. Yeah. Now now we've told you the hints are there, what the, what the twist is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't want to go anymore about that, to be no. honest. Yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag, this one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I, I totally hated it, because there were some bits in it it's good bits in it i think it was over long and just could have done with better direction yeah this goes on for two hours and 21 minutes so it is yeah. a long one it is a very yeah. long one compared to what we usually review isn't it yeah so too slow at the beginning and too much at the end yeah definitely. i think sums this one up yeah definitely and and you don't care for any of the characters no you don't you certainly don't okay should we leave that there Sorry. That was a fairly quick review, that one, but as I say, it's, yeah. it's difficult without totally spoiling it. Yeah. Which we don't want to do. We just don't want to do. So, anyway, anyway, uh, so that's that for this week then. But coming up next week, well, we're celebrating four years of the podcast, aren't we? We are. We are indeed, yes. We're celebrating four years. It's actually um, our anniversary is actually on the 18th of March. That was when our first episode was released. Um, but our um, next episode will be out on the 22nd. Of March, so it's a, it's a few days late, but it's 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 near enough, isn't it? It's the nearest weekend, nearest weekend we can get. So, um, so next weekend and the weekend after, we are doing a commentary. Yes, yes. Now we've um, so we picked a classic. We picked a classic. Yes, we're doing the go. I think we announced this a couple of weeks, but we're doing the Gunfighters. Yes. Yes, I've announced this on Twitter and maybe our Facebook group. I can't remember, but uh, yes, for our for our sins, we are going to be doing the Gunfighters. 
Yes. We fancy a sing-song on We do, we do indeed. <laughs> yeah, so um, so that's next week and the week after, because obviously what we do with our, our commentaries now, we split them over two weeks. So you, you get a week's break in between episodes. So yeah. There you go, there you go. Um, so that will be um, for the next two weeks. Then the week after that, we're going to have a, a break, I think, aren't we? Yeah. But when we come back after that, it's episodes. We, we don't never announce our episodes numbers, do we? No, we, we never don't really care. But after when we come back um, after the the, <laughs> the the final commentary, it's episode two hundred, another another landmark episode for us. Yeah, or landfill. Or landfill. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yes, yes, it's got the corpses of old episodes <laughs> in there. <laughs> episodes I can't bear to listen to anymore. Giving oh. off me fame. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, so there's um, we're not doing anything special for it. It's just no. it's just a landmark episode, really. But uh, unless we can think of something in the meantime, it's special too. Yes, yeah. Unless we can think of something in the meantime. But uh, but there we go. There we go. So until next week, then, and also next week means the return of Tony to the podcast. Yes, as well uh, for all you Tony fans out there. Um, yeah, so that's his first appearance since July last year. <laughs> Oh dear. We rushed him back. We rushed him so yes. successful. Wasn't yes. It? Uh so you know, don't expect anything to have changed with him. He's still be as clueless <laughs> as ever. So. <laughs> so anyway, but it's just an excuse to um what watch Have Doctor- a drink. Have a drink. <laughs> have a drink and watch Doctor Who together and, and, have, a, and, have, a, and have a laugh along the way. So there we are. Yeah. There we are. So uh we hope you do too. So <laughs> it's this is all for our benefit, no one else's, <laughs> is it? It really isn't. But uh, okay then. So until next week, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.